Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome into the 7 o'clock hour of the second half of Sports Talk. Steve Geller along with Charlie Long talking to you. Uh, mentioned the Pelicans last hour playing the Houston Rockets. That game getting underway. Uh, currently the Pels down 3-2 to the Rockets. That game just started in the Smoothie King Center. Happy to have NBA action back following the All-Star break. The LSU baseball team, you heard in the sports flash there, a 10-2 winner over Northern Illinois, five Tiger home runs, uh, four LSU pitchers gave up five hits. Uh, Nate Alkenhausen got the W for the LSU uh, baseball team. And the next up, the Tigers will play Stony Brook at the Bronx tomorrow afternoon. Yeah, Gage Jump got the start. I think that surprised a couple of people, myself included. Shout out to Scott Sanders who came on the show with us, I think, on Monday. And he projected that. He was just like, yeah, Gage Jump, he threw one inning <laughs> and opening weekend. It right. was the ninth inning of that opening weekend victory against VMI. And then, you know, all of a sudden he gets a start in the second weekend, but he had a pitch count coming off of Tommy John, only 50 pitches. He threw 52 in the game. And then Ackenhausen came in uh, and threw some really good innings out of relief for the Tigers. Yeah, like you mentioned, the 52 pitches, two and a third innings, gave up two hits, one run, and one base on bowls and four strikeouts. Yep. It's, it's what you'd expect from Gage Jump early on the season. He's going to play a huge role for this Tiger pitching staff later on. But, you know, just let him ease into it. I will say, too, the run that he gave up was unearned. Yes, it was off of a error by Michael Braswell, who more than made up for it with his performance <laughs> yeah. uh, in the game. He had a two-run home run and then also another RBI uh, sack fly. He ended up going uh, one for two in the matchup, three RBI, and a walk as well. So, yeah, really, really good start for Braswell after, you know, opening weekend wasn't great for him. We'll see what he can do this weekend. Strong day from second baseman Josh Pearson, who went two of three. Uh, two home runs, three RBI, had a walk. Uh, pretty impressive outing for the Telvic. He can continue on that on that road. So that's what I was looking at with this LSU-Northern Illinois game that stood out to me at least. They had 10 runs, but it was on eight hits. Northern hmm. Illinois' pitching staff did a decent job of keeping them to a decent, like a low batting average. The but Tiger just kept going yard. Yeah, the, I mean, the wind was blowing out of Alec Box, and what happened was they kept earning walks. So they would get a walk or a hit by pitch. Every single two-run home run that they had in this game. Now, they had a solo shot by Josh Pearson, which was that second one. Every single two-run home run that they had in this game, you can go back and look at it, was set up by either a walk or a hit by pitch. So that's how you get to 10 runs on eight hits. Man, you were at that frigid game over the opening weekend. Today, like you mentioned, the the wind must have been blowing out at the box. Yeah, it had to be. That opening weekend, the wind was blowing in. (laughs) And that's why the Tigers against Central Arkansas in that 2-0 game 
they had some good contact. It just died with the wind. And Coach Johnson said, yeah, the, the weather conditions had a lot to do with it. And they obviously did because the very next game they come out and put up a 27 spot against VMI uh, on Sunday. So, yeah, it's a, it's a good opening weekend start. Northern Illinois had lost three of four to Abilene Christian. They're in rebuilding mode. The first year had Coach Ryan Copeland uh, leading that program. They're looking for their identity. So this was a win that the Tigers needed to have, and they took care of business today. Here's what head coach Jay Johnson had to say to Bill Frankes after the game on the LSU Sports Radio Network. Coach, uh, another good win. Uh, the long ball, of course, was the story today offensively. Uh, five home runs. It was kind of a, almost like a spring-like weather conditions today. Ball was jumping out of the park, and you, you guys put some good swings on it. Yeah, really a good job by the offense. I think uh, Michael in the first inning, or excuse me, in the second inning, getting us going right there, and then Paxton. Uh, got a mistake up with two strikes and drove it. And then uh, Tommy hit a missile there, as everybody just heard. And a couple good ones by Josh Pearson. So uh, we got a lot of uh, hitting ability on this team, and we got a lot of power. And it was good to get a day to be able to tap into that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And at least statistically, by the numbers, the Josh Pearson hadn't gotten off to a great start offensively. Of course, uh, two home runs today, three RBI, scored three times. And I know that... The numbers don't tell the story behind Josh Pearson. That's certainly the, with the type of player he, he is and the type of impact he's made since he's been here. Yeah, he's a winner. I think uh, this nice national championship trophy That's above right. us is not here without Josh Pearson. That's right. Making that catch on Wyatt Lankford in game yeah. one and uh, extra innings against Florida and then uh, smashing that big two-run homer in the game three. So yep. we've won a lot of games, and we've won a lot of games because of Josh and super happy to have an opportunity to coach him and He's going to be a huge part of this 2024 edition of the Tigers. Michael Braswell, uh, also a guy by the numbers, not great off to a great start offensively, but today a big home run that really got you got the offense going, uh, uh, sparked the Tigers early in the game, and uh, Michael also had a sack fly later, which was a a very important run as well. So I know you're pleased to see his uh, his emergence today at the plate. Yeah, big time, and uh, he's had a great fall. He had a great lead up to the season. And, uh, you know, you're, you're talking about an ultimate team guy. Like, he really wants to do well for us and wants to do well for his teammates and, um, you know, just needs to settle into the season a little bit because he's a really good player. Gage Jump got the start today, his first career start as a Tiger. We saw got a glimpse of him over the weekend and what kind of stuff he has. We saw him for two and a third innings today, 52 pitches, gave up an unearned run, four strikeouts. Your thoughts on Gage and his first start here at LSU? Yeah, I thought he was good. It's good to get him out there and got up and down twice, which was big, and uh, really pleased about that. And uh, has a great, great season ahead of him for us. Uh, there's not very many better pitchers in the country, in my opinion, and can't wait to get that pitch count up and, and get him rolling as we're getting into SEC play. Coach, that double play that was just described by Chris Blair, that was about as smooth a double play as you could want uh, Tommy White uh, to Josh Pearson over to first base to Jones and uh, you know Josh Pearson as we know hasn't played a whole lot of second base and and Tommy really seems to have developed as an excellent third baseman so uh, defensively the Tigers we are, appear to be very solid yeah for sure I was disappointed we didn't turn that one in the first inning yeah um, that was you know Taylor made and heard Josh say he didn't maybe give a good feed but um, that one was great Tommy read the hop 
took the drop step, caught it at its highest point, got us uh, rid of the ball, hit Josh right in the left shoulder, which is perfect spot for a second baseman. And he's a converted outfield outfielder, so he has great arm strength. So he's been very good at turning the double play. So hopefully that's the first of many. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, got to talk about the winning pitcher today, Nate Ackenhausen, uh, in relief of Gage Jump. Uh, Nate, uh, three and two thirds innings, just one earned run, six strikeouts. He threw sixty-two pitches. Uh, already his second victory of the season. You know, like Josh Pearson, LSU doesn't have that trophy up above us without Nate Ackenhausen last year, and I know how much you trust him and what he's able to do. Yeah, good performance. I thought he was better today than he was last week, and um, you know, had one little spurt of two hitters where he lost his focus a little bit, but other than that, he was great. And you're right, uh, Bill, I trust him as much as anybody. You know, we worked really hard to, to get Hayden to come back on the position player side this year. It was the same effort with Nate, yeah. and uh, very thankful to have him, and we're a much better team because he's an LSU Tiger. I want to mention a couple of young guys, uh, both second-year guys, Aiden Moffitt and, and Micah Bucknam. Uh, I heard you men- mentioned earlier that those guys appear to really have developed uh, over the past year, and there was evidence of it today. Yeah, uh, highlight of the day for me. And, you know, the five homers were nice and uh, that type of thing. You know, jump getting off to a good start, that's all great. But uh, Moffitt and Bucknam and, you know, uh, Coach Burtman, you know, built this program a long time ago by, you know, sometimes players just waited their turn and yep. kept working, and it kind of has that kind of feel because they didn't get to pitch a lot. I, I think Aiden only pitched once last year. Mike had about seven innings, but if you were here in the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning today, it's like, whoa, you got two yeah. pretty good arms out of the pen right there. Absolutely. All right, Coach, congratulations. Uh, first game of four this weekend. Tigers facing Stony Brook tomorrow. Now, this is the first – tomorrow – as the student of history that you are of LSU baseball, LSU has never played Stony Brook in a non-NCAA tournament game. So <laughs> first regular season meeting between the programs and, and Stony Brook, of course, always a big challenge. Yeah, they have great program. Uh, Coach has done a great job, obviously, getting them to Oman 2012. I don't want to stir up any bad memories okay. from the fans. But, um, you know, they had a nice run there, you know, 2011 yeah. to 14. And run a good program. There's good players in the Northeast. They do a good job with two-strike hitting. We're facing a very good pitcher tomorrow. And uh, really excited about that challenge. That was LSU baseball coach Jay Johnson and his postgame interview on the LSU Sports Radio Network. Pelicans right now in the first quarter against the Rockets up 18-17. We're going to step away, take a break, talk a little more LSU baseball and get around the SEC with Joe Healy, college baseball writer for D1 Baseball, right after this on WWL. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. LSU baseball improving to 5-0 and on the season, getting a 10-2 to victory over Northern Illinois to talk about the Tigers and the SEC. Happy to welcome in Joe Healy, who covers college baseball for D1 Baseball, also does SEC Extra on D1Baseball.com. How you been, Joe? 
Doing well. Excited for another weekend of, of college baseball. LSU getting us uh, kicked off a little bit early with a Thursday game. Always nice to, to get an early start on that. Yeah, and so these 2 o'clock starts, uh, we've had a few 1 o'clock ones locally, and they, they're kind of messing us up some. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a double-edged sword this time of year because you're looking to get folks excited and engaged, and whether it's fans or media or whatever, but at the same time, you're trying to – you know, get games in earlier in the in the day. Once you know, even even down in Baton Rouge, it's not the best time of year to be playing baseball outside. So you're trying to maximize the warmth and the sun and all that stuff. So it's kind of a tough deal we have to fight through until we get to the, the meat of the season. Joe, I know you cover before we get into LSU. I know you cover the entirety of college baseball. What is happening in Starkville? I mean, Mississippi State yeah. losing back to back games against Austin P. What is happening out there? Yeah, I think it's just a program that's kind of lost its way. I mean, I know that's over. That's really simplistic, but I don't really know what other way to put it because, I mean, here's the deal. I mean, there's about a million things playing into it. One is it's a it's a it's not a roster without talent, but when you stack up the rosters, it's not one of the more talented rosters in the, in the conference at this point. It's just not. So you, you have that on top of the fact that, you know, last year you had the issues in the mound. Okay, so you bring in a new pitching coach, and, and the pitching for the most part has been better but now the offense is the problem, right? I mean, they, 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 their first four games, they held the opponent to four or fewer runs every time, and they were they went two and two in those games. Then yesterday against Austin P, they they get ten runs, which okay, great, that should be more than enough against Austin P, and they they lose that game thirteen to ten. And to me, maybe that's a one off example, but to me, I think it just hints at kind of the bigger issue there, which is that I think it's just kind of a clubhouse at this point that doesn't have a lot of belief. Um, just kind of doesn't – it just feels listless. Um, whenever you're losing, it's, it's tough to look good losing, but they just – they don't seem to have a lot of energy. They don't seem to be all that engaged. And, again, part of that's just because when you're losing games, how are you supposed to look? But, man, you talk about a program that right now just feels completely adrift. You look at the opening weekend of uh, SEC baseball. Was there any team that really stood out to you in the, in the uh, early goings? Well, it's tough because, you know, Tennessee was really the only club last weekend in the SEC to play a, a challenging schedule, and they right. got some good wins. They, you know, they, they took down Texas Tech most notably, so there was that. But, you know, when you look at who everyone else played, I came away kind of impressed with Auburn, and this team is built a little bit differently than last year's team. Last year, you know, credit to them, Auburn cobbled together the pitching staff with, you know, like bailing wire and duct tape, and they ended up hosting a regional. And this year they really like the, their guys on the mound, and they have – legit depth there and, and you know their head coach butch thompson is you know one of the best pitching coaches in the country and so if you're telling me that auburn brings back a lot of its offense from last season and they feel good about what they have on the mound you know they're a team that at d1 baseball we're definitely underrating at this point um you know you know i've kind of advocated for them but you look you know people different people have different opinions on it but I, i'm pretty high on them and then you add on top of that last weekend that Joseph Gonzalez, who didn't pitch at all last year and was going to be their ace, pitched last weekend, looked healthy. UAB transfer Carson Myers comes in, immediately six shutout innings in his first outing. Chase Alsup, who has the biggest arm on the team, is the best pitching prospect on the team, at least among you know upper guys, veteran guys. Um, didn't walk anybody, and that's been his big problem. So the opponent wasn't great, Eastern Kentucky. I get that, but – if you're going to have an opponent like that, you want to dominate the series and look good doing it, and that's exactly what they did last weekend. So, Joe, we're only a couple weeks away from the Shriners Classic in Houston, but we do have a really fun tournament upcoming this weekend in Arlington, uh, the college baseball series, where we got you know Arkansas matching up against Oregon State after their 3-1 and start. 
uh, with wins over James Madison in their opening weekend series. They've moved up to number two in the most recent D1 baseball poll. But that matchup against number seven, Oregon State, uh, I think it's going to be probably the premier matchup of the weekend. No doubt. I mean, it's the best game in college baseball we've had so far this season. Uh, you know, it's two versus seven. It's a really good pitching matchup, Aiden May for, for Oregon State. Um, and then you're going to have Hagan Smith on the mound for Arkansas, and he's coming off a tough one last week. You know, he, he threw, I think it was 42 pitches in the first inning, and they didn't bring him out for the second inning. And, and it's early in the season, so I think it was just more of like, hey, you know what, tough start, let's just pull you now and let's, let's just move on. Um, I expect he'll be a lot better, and look, he's going to have to be. That Oregon State lineup, I mean, your listeners may not be – they probably know that Oregon State's a, a big deal, but their offense is one of the more talented – offenses in the country just in terms of raw talent and if there's one guy you should watch out for it's Travis Bazana, one of their infielders at Oregon State an Australian kid who, who's there who you know in next year's draft is maybe a top three top five pick I mean he's right up there in the discussion with guys like um or I'm sorry for this draft he's up there with guys like Jack Caglione in terms of talking about hmm. who are the, the the early names that are going to come off the board he's just a lot of fun to watch and so yeah, if you can carve out some time tomorrow night for Arkansas, Oregon State, that that's my highest recommendation I have for you. I want to give a shout out to Steven Scoach on Twitter because this is a great tweet that he put out about your latest D one baseball top twenty five rankings. I mean, a former Virginia pitcher, and he put this out. There are eight schools ranked in the top twenty five for North Carolina and South Carolina. Just looking at it, Wake Forest, obviously the number one team that fell to UNC Greensboro a couple nights ago, and then after that you have like a full run of Clemson, then ECU, Duke. NC State, UNC, and then later on in the list, you also have South Carolina and Coastal Carolina. And then that's not even mentioning teams like Campbell that just took down ECU right. a couple of days ago as well. There's been there's some great baseball being played in the Carolinas right now. Yeah, no doubt. I, mean, I think it's a confluence of a bunch of stuff. So you have historical powers like UNC that, that has largely, I don't want to say always been good, but has typically been good at baseball. NC State's kind of the same way. And then you have programs like Duke and Wake Forest who have just gotten up you know, uh, tons and tons better over the last decade, 15 years that are just night and day different from what they used to be as programs. And then the Carolinas do have this, this kind of rich history of mid-major programs being able to punch above their weight and being successful. And if you're making a list of most successful mid-major programs in, in college baseball, maybe it probably starts with Coastal. They won a national title. They're always in the mix. And East Carolina, even though they've never been to Omaha, is, is not that far behind them. So when you take teams that have improved a lot you take historical powers you take mid-major programs operating at the top of the sport I mean that's kind of the the cocktail you mix together to to allow for the amount of success that we've seen in the Carolinas this year talking with Joe Healy from d1baseball.com we got a taste of uh Gage Jump starting for the LSU Tigers today uh pitched two in a third innings of course we got to see him in a closer role on opening weekend but uh your overall impressions of the lefty for LSU yeah, I think the first thing is it's important to to exercise just some patience right. because it's been so long since he's been really stretched out. I mean, we're talking you know, going on two years at this point. So, it, you know, it may take until SEC play or well into SEC play before we see a fully operational gauge jump. But here's the thing. As long as he stays healthy, uh, there's nothing really stopping him from being, you know, an upper echelon pitcher in the SEC, whether that's as a starter or as a bullpen guy. When he got to UCLA a couple of years ago, he was the baseball equivalent of a five-star recruit. I mean, he was part of, you know, a top-ranked recruiting class at UCLA along with Thatcher Hurd. And, you know, the injury came at a, at a, a tough time for him. But as long as he stays healthy, the stuff is good enough to be as good as just about anybody else 
in the conference. So it's just going to be a matter of how quickly do you bring him along? Um, you know, what is his ultimate role? And then the beauty of a frail issue is that they've got enough pitching this year, at least on paper, that they're not in a position where they're going to feel rushed to do anything with him. So I really wouldn't be surprised if we don't see, you know, jump being, you know, his full, the full version of himself, whatever that is, maybe until, you know, late March or early April. LSU loses Jordan Thompson from last year's championship team, so they need a shortstop to go out and get Michael Braswell from South Carolina. He's been off to a little bit of a slow start. I think that the weather conditions had a little bit of something to do with that last weekend. This uh, And then today, first inning, he has an error that ends up kind of ruining a potential double play for Gage Jump to get out of that first inning that he threw 27 pitches. And with Jump on a 50-pitch count in his first start, uh, that's not really good. But looking at how he kind of made up for it at the plate, he goes one for two with a home run, his first home run as a Tiger. He also gets a sack fly and then a walk. Where are your projections for Michael Braswell as the season progresses? I think he's one of those veteran guys that can really help the Tigers this year. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I, I think he's got a so he's got a high floor. But you also have to understand he's got a relatively low ceiling. And I don't mean that to be disrespectful. It's just that he's not a big power bat. Like, he's not the fastest guy on the field. He's not the most athletic guy. Um, but he's played a lot of SEC games. Um, you know, he's going to make – all shortstops make the occasional error, but he's going to be really solid at the position. His, you know, his arm strength isn't what Jordan Thompson's was, but then again, Jordan Thompson had a great arm. So I think he's going to be perfectly serviceable. Um, I don't think he's going to do anything to embarrass you out there on the field. Um, he's not going to be a superstar type guy, but the alternatives for LSU this year were, were looking at, you know, freshmen at the position if they hadn't gone that route, likely maybe it was, you know, Steven Milam in that, in that spot. And he's swung that really well. Maybe that's an eventual option, but I know that Jay Johnson really didn't want to go with a freshman in that spot. And so Braswell is, basically the opposite of a freshman in terms of how much he's played in the SEC. So, look, I think if you have the right expectations for Michael Braswell, that he's not going to be the straw that stirs the drink offensively, I think you can appreciate him for what he is, which is just a super steady veteran who's been through a lot of battles in the SEC. Milam was a name that popped up a bunch as people were stunned with how well he played opening weekend, and I was too. But for me, the biggest takeaway from you know those first four games, I think it's going to be their biggest strength outside of like their depth on the mound heading throughout the season, is LSU's catcher room is unbelievable. They, they have a guy for everything. We talked with Koki Riley a couple of days about this. Uh, you know, they have, as I said, they have versatility at the, in the catcher room. They have Hayden Travinsky, that's just a great slugger, but he's also can throw out runners on the bases. Brady Neal's like the perfect in-between guy. He can do everything from the catcher spot. And then Alex Malazzo is like their defensive like guru. That gives them so much versatility, especially once you get into SEC play. I think a lot of teams would love to have three legitimate SEC ca- uh, catchers on their roster. Oh, yeah. no, I mean, th- those three guys, I mean, they would any, – any of the three would start at, like, you know, 280 other Division One programs, you know. So they've got really an embarrassment of riches there. And it's one of the reasons why in the fall they were messing around a little bit with Brady Neal. Maybe, like, could we play him at second base? Could we play him in the outfield? Could Just kind of seeing what else he could do because he's a pretty good athlete. So, And his bat is one that when he's going well – you, you won him in the lineup and off to a pretty decent start in the, in the opportunities he's got at the plate. So, you know, I think they're going to try to find a way to keep all those guys fresh, keep all those guys in the mix. And that's a double-edged sword because on the one hand, catcher is such a demanding position that that's a, that's a great thing if you can not have to catch one guy 60 games a season. But the flip side of that is that it always is going to kind of feel like maybe you're not putting the most efficient lineup out there, right? Because if you want to maximize defense with Malazzo, you can do that. But then, okay, is Travinsky your DH? 
you know, do we put Brady Neal somewhere else? So, I mean, it's a good problem to have, but uh, it, it is a little bit of a challenge when you've got three guys that are that good. Hey, Joe, just curious, uh, your impressions of a guy, Paxton Kling, uh, really what stood out to me last season was the fact that Jay Johnson said he's just one of those guys who's going to be well, the best player in the program at some point. Uh, what have you seen from the outfielder? Tools, tools, and more tools. Like, <laughs> there's nothing that he really can't do. And, you know, I saw him a decent bit on the Cape, too, over the summer. He was there for just a brief stint that happened to overlap when I was there. And you're looking at a guy, every time he steps on the field, that it's very likely that he's the best runner on the field. He's a, you know, a, a true center fielder in terms of his speed, his athleticism, his routes to the ball. You know, it's going to be a matter of, I think, for him to be that best player on the field that Jay Johnson said he could be, and I agree with, by the way, is how much does he impact the baseball? You know, is he a guy who hits for some average and he can he can run and do some of those things? Or can he be a guy who has some pop and hits balls into the gap and hits balls out of the park? And Because that's what's going to unlock his ability to be more than just kind of a, which would be great if he's a top-of-the-order catalyst-type guy. That, that's perfectly great. But if he's going to be a guy, middle-of-the-order bopper who, oh, by the way, is kind of a elite defender, elite runner, all that kind of stuff, that's going to be the key for him. And, and so how much, how much stride we see him make this year in terms of being somebody that you you have to deal with and you're not, you know, the opposing team has to game plan around is going to be something to watch develop over the entirety of this season. Joe, another sophomore that I wanted to mention before I get to my question about the pitching staff, Jared Jones, and just the pop that he has in his bat has just been super impressive early on. And I'm looking forward to seeing if it continues because, you know, last year, I think we talked to you about this as well. You know, he was a contributor early on, and then he kind of fell out of the rotation. But that LSU team just had so many great players at the top and so many veteran pieces and, you know, his kind of development, and he's going to have to take a bigger role is what I'm trying to say. And just the early returns from Jared Jones have been really solid. Yeah, I can't argue with that. I mean, the power has is, is always been his, as the scouts say, his carrying tool, and that we've seen it early on so far this year. And, you know, it's funny you mentioned, because, yeah, I remember talking to you guys about that last year, and, and it's funny you mentioned that because I went back as I was getting ready for the season, you know, a couple months ago and started to really look back at the stats from last year, and I had kind of, convinced myself that Jared Jones had kind of a tough season and he got bit, you know, he, he didn't start as much. And so like the numbers, what, but you look back at his numbers last year and they were, they were pretty good. Right. I mean, like, yes, he fell off a little bit and the, there was a little bit more inconsistency, but you know, he was a freshman and playing in the sec, but you know, he had a really nice year. And if it weren't for the fact to your point that LSU just had so many guys offensively, they can turn to, they didn't really have to mess around with somebody who was going through struggles at the plate they probably would have kept playing him and he probably would have been all right. You know? So I think we saw enough glimpses last year to know that, okay, this guy, that power is going to play. There's not a lot of doubt about him eventually tapping into it. He just needs the opportunity. And, and so far this year, we've seen what he's doing with those opportunities. And then my last question for you here, Joe, is the weekend rotation for the Tigers right now. Gage jump got the start today, obviously, but tomorrow I think it's going to be Thatcher Hurd. And then Saturday, once again, Luke Holman, I mean, what do you see from the first weekend? Thatcher Hurd obviously gets off to a really good start, gets seven straight outs, and then in the bottom of the third with two and two-thirds innings pitch, he walks the nine-hole hitter, and then everything kind of falls apart. And we've seen that happen from Hurd a couple times. Luke Coleman was outstanding against Central Arkansas at 10 strikeouts and five and a third innings pitched on that really cold day at the box. But from what I've seen from Holman, he got into one jam in that game against Central Arkansas. It was a leadoff double and then a follow-up single, and then strikeout, 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 and he gets out of it. And 10 strikeouts and 5 and thirds innings pitched speaks for itself. He wasn't a huge strikeout guy at Alabama. I mean, 87 and 81 innings pitch is solid. 
Uh, but what do you think about those top two guys on the ro- weekend rotation? Thatcher Hurd, you know, he's a guy that helped the Tigers win a championship just this past year. Holman, the transfer from Alabama, I think could be a really big piece as well. Uh, but the roles are going to change throughout the season. I just want to get your early thoughts on both those guys. Yeah, with Hurd, it's, it's going to be a matter of which which guy is he, right? The guy who had some real roller coaster like ups and downs early last season and kind of had us wondering, is, is this a guy they can trust? And then, or the guy in the postseason who was like, oh, yeah, right, this is the best he's pitched at the most important time of year, and he's going to go into next year as a real dude for this team. I think the jury's still out on which guy we're going to see there. Just It's just one start. But, you know, to your point, we saw something in his last outing that kind of was reminiscent of early last year, right? Um, so there's that. And with Holman, you know, I think coming into the season, a lot of folks, and I'll even throw myself in this group, kind of maybe underrated Luke Holman because, he, you know, he's a guy who came into the Alabama rotation late last year. And it was really just kind of because they were dealing with some injuries. And by the end of the year, he was their best guy. And if you talk to some coaches around the SEC and around the country, there's some folks who are willing to say things like, hey, Luke Holman is maybe – we should maybe be talking about him as someone who could be the SEC pitcher of the year when it's all said and done. Like, the stuff is that good. I, I, I see your point about the strikeout numbers last year, but I, I wonder how much of that was just kind of him finding his sea legs in the SEC. And now that he's kind of has a better sense of self, a little more mature, a little more mature physically, I do think those strikeout numbers, what we saw the first weekend against Central Arkansas, obviously that rate is not going to stand. But, but I do think we're going to see a more dominant at times Luke Holman. I think he's probably the guy who ends up being the ace. Now, whether he pitches on Fridays or Saturdays, like whatever, I think Holman's going to end up being the best guy for the Tigers this season. But, man, if, if Hurd is the guy we saw in the postseason, then that's, that's a big if at this point. Like, that's a really solid one, too, and it gives LSU kind of the, the, the latitude to play around with that third spot, whether it's, you know, jump or it's Kate Anderson or, hey, let's throw Nate Ackenhausen in that mix because we can stretch him out, right? Um they can really kind of get creative with that third spot, maybe do it based on matchups, you know, maybe just say, hey, let's do a bullpen game. If those two guys are good, it's going to give LSU a lot of slack with the rest of the pitching staff. Great stuff, Joe, as always. Always appreciate the time as well. Thank you. Happy to do it, guys. I appreciate you. Thanks, Joe. Baseball is back, folks. He, Joe Healy giving us some info, college baseball writer for D1 Baseball and SEC Extra on D1Baseball.com. Currently the Pelicans in the second quarter against the Houston Rockets, up 43-38. When we get back from the break, talk a little bit about LSU women's basketball. They got a big matchup hosting Auburn this evening. The Lady Tigers lost to them earlier in the year. is a big rematch. We'll be back with more right here on WWL. Welcome back into Sports Talk, looking at the action in the Smoothie King Center going on right now. Pelicans up 43-40 to over the Rockets. We are seven minutes left till halftime. Uh, also in action tonight, the LSU women's basketball team, number 13 in the nation. They're going to take the floor in the PMAC, hosting Auburn at 8 o'clock on the SEC Network. Uh, LSU and Auburn met back January 14th. Uh, the Tigers didn't come out. You know, uh, ahead in that one and are looking for a little payback tonight in the PMAC. We're going to hear from head coach Kim Mulkey now previewing the big game. Kim, I've heard you talk a couple different times now just about the uh, scouting report on this one. Uh, Carrie, give it to us. Uh, we lost to Auburn. Uh, I thought that um, they were very physical when we played them there. I thought they were very aggressive defensively and offensively. And um, we get another chance to try to beat them. Um, very 
well coached. Obviously, when you have a team that um, commits to defense like they do and they're very aggressive, getting passing lanes, it's not going to be easy just to make a simple pass. Then that's obviously being enforced and reinforced by the coaching staff. For the players uh, coming off a loss to Auburn, just is there that extra motivation from them? I know this team likes to uh, have that type of internal motivation. I would hope so. I mean, it's not like we sit down and discuss it. I just have Coach Bob present the scouting report, show film of what we did in the last game we played against A&M, and then some stuff that we did and didn't do against Auburn last time. Then you take some film from their current games. Um, If they're tweaking anything or doing anything any different, then you get out on the floor and guard them. Yeah, to that to that end, listening to your radio show tonight, I got the impression that you you felt like maybe your team didn't take them seriously or expect the, the the good punch that they got. I don't know that I'll ever say my team won't take somebody seriously. Our coaching staff doesn't approach it like that. I think you give credit to the opponent. I think there was a maybe a thirty five minute period of time in that game that the crowd really didn't get into it. I think it was like oh. Um, you know, do we cheer? It's a close game. And then about the last five minutes, I thought the crowd got into it and realized that Auburn had a chance to beat us. And they really helped um, make that atmosphere loud the last five minutes. So um, I hope that our fans will do the same. It's an 8 o'clock game. A lot of people will stay home and watch it on TV. But I hope more will come um, because you've got two games left in the regular season. And potentially, if you can get us top 16 seeds, you got two games here. So it's winding down, and you may never see the likes of Angel again and Haley again. Um, they will move on to their pro careers. So get out here and watch them and see them in person. What parts of that Auburn game were the most challenging? What was the toughest part of that game for y'all? Well, we couldn't even make a pass to the wing. They were in passing lanes. We didn't do a good job of getting open. Um, we... Um, I think we missed like 12 layups in that game. And uh, I just thought that um, obviously our defense was not then what it is today. And um, we we just were out of sync. That was the game where I wanted Angel to tie the ball game and ran something for her because honestly – I remember I was afraid she'd never touch the ball again. You mentioned there's only four games left in the regular season, and people are now putting up projections and brackets and this and that. Um, does that bring a little bit of excitement in second wind, or it's still the process one game to the, the next year down the stretch? I think when the four games of the regular season are done and you head to that third part of your season, the conference tournament, and then the excitement really ramps up when you head to the NCAA tournament. So you're really just focused on the four games and really the next game. And uh, this is uh, a game where you don't a lot of times get a chance to play somebody again that beat you So and, and get to do it at home. So I hope that uh, our, our players uh, will remember what happened to them when we went to Auburn. They will. That was LSU women's basketball coach Kim Mulkey. The Tigers 
playing Auburn tonight. That's going to be an 8 o'clock start coming up very soon. You can see that on the SEC Network. Going to step away, take a break, be right back with more of Sports Talk. We'll close things out right here on WWL. Closing things down here. Remember, tomorrow on Sports Talk, it'll be me and Jeff Nowak. We'll talk about the NFL Combine, cranking up next week, looking at the LSU, uh, looking at the Saints players uh, that they could have interest in. What's your biggest need for the black and gold? Plus, we'll give updates on the LSU baseball game versus Stony Brook, and we'll also preview the Pelicans hosting the Heat. Game two of a back-to-back for the Birds. Right now, the Pels up 53-45 over the Houston Rockets. Ooh, Jonas Valanciunas just threw one down on Shangun. Sorry, Steve. No, that's no problem. They got uh, three minutes left, 3.30 left till halftime. Uh, the Pels, like I said, up 55-45 right now. Hopefully they can put this Rockets uh, team away and coast through into tomorrow against the Heat. I hate back-to-backs in the NBA. I do, too. This is a physical game. I've, on both sides, but it seems like the Pelicans are wanting to attack the rim. And I, just w- what we saw from Herb Jones a couple of plays ago where he oh, threw down nasty. a thunderous and one dunk. And then Jonas Valanciunas just put a sick move on Alperin Shangun and threw down a hammer as well. It seems, oh, and then Zion just got, gets a lob. Okay, there we go. So Pelicans are Things up 10. Uh, they basically had three dunks in the past minute and a half. So uh, Pelicans are matching that physicality. The Rockets came to try and punch them in the mouth. And the Pelicans are punching back. And I love to see that. And to be fair, we were talking about attendance and maybe there being issues against a lower, you know, less team in the NBA, like a Houston Rockets, also being a Thursday night, folks not being able to come out for the game. But they just showed like a quick, you know, shot of the lower bowl. Looks pretty good to me. Crowd is fired up, and they should be. That is a great run by the Pelicans. Timeout Houston, Pels lead by 10 in the second quarter. And, Steve, I wanted to address this text. Uh, we got someone that texted in, so jump through – 52 pitches in two and a third, and that's good. I, there's a tweet that I saw that I really love referencing occasionally, where it's just like, just looked at the box scores and about to go argue with the people that watch the games. Gates jump through 27 pitches in the first inning because a tailor-made double play by Michael Braswell got fumbled. Now, this is not me poo-pooing Michael Braswell. He had a great game. He made up for it at the plate tenfold. Uh, and, the, and, I mean, LSU cruised to a 10-2 victory. Give Gates jump time. Listen to what yeah, from what we Joe, heard from Healy Joe Healy saying. Listen right. to what his coach, Jay Johnson, <laughs> saying. The guy that won a national championship in his second year. Once this guy gets going, he's going to be one of the best pitchers in college baseball. That's what he said. There's not many pitchers that are better in college baseball than Gage Jump once he gets going. But he's coming off of Tommy John. Give him some time, and he's going to be great. I'm definitely looking forward to seeing more from this LSU baseball team right now, you know, ramping things up to SEC play. Once we get there, though, man, this pitching staff has so much potential to just be nasty. Jump is great stuff, and I think that he's going to be a weekend guy by the time the season's done. It's a matter of, you know, what spot of the weekend rotation that's going to be. Yeah, I'm interested in how they do that, too. I'd like to mix in the lefty a little more. Yeah, for sure. That's a wrap on Sports Talk this Thursday edition. Be back tomorrow, folks. Have a great night. Who that? Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.